Jasmine and Beauty Podcast starts right now. From Ithaca, New York, it's the Asmin and Budic Show on VIC Radio. Jake and Dan with you until midnight. New week, new show, but a different result as the Jets won today. Finally. It's about time. They snapped a four-game losing streak, and before I even woke up, the Giant game was well into the fourth quarter. They were out in London taking on the L.A. Rams. The Giants came away with the victory, and they go into the bye at 4-3. and three. So that's where we stand right now with the local New York football teams. Jets and Giants win at the same time, maybe the first time all season that's happened. Actually, well, the Jets did win that Buffalo game, the Giants won. So I guess that was the last time it happened. But we'll get things rolling here, Dan, because usually we start we start slamming the Jets and all it's this. It's a different feel of the show today. And listen, the Jets won today. They won 24-16 over the Ravens. They're 2-5. and they're two and five. They are what they are. They're still not a very good football team. They have to still win so many games in a row to even mathematically still put themselves in a position to even be in the playoff hunt. But for at least one day only, it was good to see this defense. And we're going to talk a lot about the quarterback situation, Geno and Fitz. But I want to start with the defense. Because for, for really the first time all season, this was a defense that played really well today. And I know Baltimore is not that good, but they still held the Baltimore Ravens only nine points. It was an impressive style win for this defense. They forced turnovers. And something they never did, they actually got to the quarterback a little bit today. So for the first time all year, the Jets defense actually played like the defense we thought they were going to play like going into the season. And really, after that week one game against the Bengals, Jake, we talked about it. Where did the pass rush go? It was seven sacks uh, against the Bengals in week one. And since then, the pass rush really was non-existent for the Jets. Finally today, they put some pressure on Joe Flacco. They made him very uncomfortable moving in and out of the pocket where he does struggle, make him throw a lot off his back foot. And you know what? When you do that, good things happen. And the Jets haven't done that enough this season put pressure on the quarterback, and force Aaron throws. They did it today. They took advantage of some opportunities. They had success offensively. It was a good day for the Jets, uh, minus, of course, on special teams. They had a few miscues, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But as far as the defensive is concerned, Jake, you said it, arguably their best game all season. Very impressed that with the struggles they've had and with the criticism highly on Todd Bowles coming into this week, when the w- with the way he's coached this defense through the first five games, five, six games of the season, they come out this week, they force pressure on the quarterback, they get some turn and they won the game. I don't think it's a coincidence. When the defense plays well, the Jets are going to win. No question about it. Defensively, they did what they had to do to win. They held a Ravens team to nine points, and Baltimore has their injuries. But a game at home, this is the game we thought coming into the year the Jets should be able to win, and they did that. What stood out to me with this game is, you know, as bad as Baltimore played in that second half, the Jets still had to come back down 10 nothing, And the inexcusable error by Lachlan Edwards, their foreign Australian punter, was just, it, it was mind-boggling Awful. to see that happen in the game. You thought, here we go, the Jets are not coming back from this. But they found a way to come back, and a lot of it had to do, of course, with the defense. But as things always go, we expected to see Geno Smith today, and no one expected Geno Smith to get hurt. So you see Fitzpatrick come back into the game. He leads them on, uh, on a scoring drive that ends with a Matt Forte touchdown run on a screen pass. And away it kind of went from that point on. And the Jets actually played a pretty well game in that second half. Defensively, we just spoke about it. But even offensively, Fitzpatrick made some throws. He wasn't you know, the immortal Ryan Fitzpatrick that Jet fans saw last year. But he didn't turn the football over. And they played well enough to win. And now all of a sudden you look at the upcoming schedule. And even when the Jets are supposed to be bad now, their fans at 1-5 and five were just frustrated one of the top pick. Well, now they're going to go play Cleveland. they got the Dolphins. They got some, they got some winnable games 
games coming up, and if you're the Jet fan, I'll take the win at two and five because in the back of my mind, we knew this team was not going to be good enough to, or bad enough to be three and thirteen or four and twelve and get a top pick. It's too much talent on this team. They're probably going to end up winning what six, seven games maybe, and that's really, I guess, it's a problem. For, but for at least today, I'll give Todd Bowles credit because his defense did what they had to do, and they finally played a good game. You know, I was talking about this earlier with my dad, just talking about the Jets and the way this season has gone. You know, we've only seen them play top-notch teams in the National Football League. We, we've seen them play a tough Pittsburgh Steelers team. We've seen them play a tough Arizona Cardinals team. We've seen them play uh, uh, a tough game against the Seattle Seahawks. We finally got to see the Jets play, I don't want to say a bad football team. The Ravens are good, but they have their issues. And the Jets were able to take advantage of that. And, you know, it was nice not to see the Jets playing a top powerhouse team and a team that wasn't in the playoffs last year for a change. Uh, Besides that Bills game with the Jets won, the Jets have only played playoff teams this year. So it was nice to see them play Baltimore, get a win under their belt. They're 2-5, and obviously still a lot of question marks. But I really think the offense today... Was so was was very smooth. Whether it was Geno in there or Ryan Fitzpatrick and Matt Forte continues to be such a bright spot on this Jets offense. Thirty carries for a hundred yards. Excellent day for Matt Forte. Had a touchdown on a reception on a catch uh, from Ryan Fitzpatrick when he came back into the game uh, for the injured Geno Smith. But there there we are now going into next week. You got the Cleveland Browns. What do you do with the quarterback position if Geno is ready to go? Do you go back to Geno Smith next week, or did Ryan Fitzpatrick do enough in that second half and enough throughout the dura- the end of that game to show you that he should stick as a starting quarterback for the New York Jets? The Jets and Todd Bowles and this coaching staff, they have a decision to make on their hands because the status of Geno Smith right now for next week is unknown, Jake, and I'll ask this question to you right now. If Geno Smith is healthy next week and good to go, is Ryan Fitzpatrick still your starting quarterback? I would give Geno Smith the opportunity. And I know we're both not Geno guys, but at the same time, Geno Smith, when he was in there, didn't do anything to not deserve the opportunity to at least get a chance with his team. And I know Fitz played well. And I'm really not going to be surprised if Todd Bowles goes back to Fitz because clearly they like Ryan Fitzpatrick enough to trust him with this team because if they didn't, they would have went to Geno Smith as early as week three during that Kansas City game if they really didn't think Fitzpatrick could be a guy to lead them. They stuck with Fitzpatrick through six turnovers. And we'll get to Fitzpatrick's comments after the game, which were just ridiculous looking back on it. But for right now, I would go back to Geno Smith. I know what they have in Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you're the Jets, Geno Smith's not the answer either, but you're that much closer to then seeing Bryce Petty. If you go back to Fitz against Cleveland, and then he wins again. What is that really doing? And I listen, I'm not a Geno guy, but I do think he's earned the opportunity to at least play longer than just a quarter and a half. If he's not healthy, though, I go back to Fitz. But if he's healthy enough to play, I don't know about you, I'd give Geno Smith at least an opportunity to start against the worst football team in the league in Cleveland next week. I agree with you 100%, and I hate Geno Smith, and we both hate Geno Smith. I mean, we're not Geno guys, you We're not say. Geno guys. I mean, Geno, when he had the opportunity to... to to, to start a quarterback for the Jets. He played very poorly two years ago. Last year, we know what happened when he got punched in the mouth and really made fits to the starting quarterback for the Jets. But I agree with you. I think Ron, uh, Geno Smith played well enough through that quarter and a half to show you that he should be the starting quarterback next week. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah, he played well he, when he got in there. I agree. But I'll tell you what. You made the switch for a reason. And I think until Geno plays really poorly and proves that he's not the guy and that he can't 
lead this team in the in the immediate future, then I would maybe make a change back. But I don't think Geno did anything today to show that he shouldn't be the quarterback next week. You made the change to Geno Smith going into this week, and I think if he's healthy, he deserves a shot to play next week. I and would G- go back to I would go to Geno. Geno really Smith would. today, four of eight, ninety five yards through that one touchdown that Anunwa made a great play on the turnoff field for sixty nine yards. Here's the thing, Fitzpatrick. I know he played better today, but let's not act like he had a home run performance. He looked better. He didn't turn the ball over. But I think at the same time, you're really in a no-win situation if you're the Jets. You're just trying to win games. Fitz and Geno, to me, are about even at this point. I don't I think either one gives you a significantly better chance to win a game. So if you want to give Geno the start against the Browns, fine. But at the same time, knowing how the Jets operate, knowing what Todd Bowles thinks of no, Geno Smith. I wouldn't Smith, be shocked if it's Fitz. It, I wouldn't surprise me. They just go back to Fitz. And they can lean on the fact that, oh, well, Geno's not 100% yet. We want to give Ryan the opportunity before we give Geno the chance. But at the end of the day, if the Jets season keeps going where it's going and they're out of it, we're going to see Bryce Petty by the end of the year. And that's all that really matters at this point. Because unless this team goes out now and wins 10 games in a row, they're not going to the playoffs. That's just the reality of it. And when I was saying this earlier today, if Geno Smith is a starting quarterback for the Jets going forward next week, the week after... You're that much closer. You just talked about you. They're that much closer to seeing Bryce Petty. And that's the most important thing for two reasons. One, Geno Smith is a free agent at the end of the year. Two, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a free agent at the end of the year. And both aren't coming back. And both are at this point will not be on the team next year. The Jets have a big decision and question on their hands to what are they going to do in 2017 at the quarterback position. And I think we have to find out sooner or later if Bryce Petty is the guy that you can say is going to be the Jets starting quarterback next year or is going to be in competition for the Jets starting quarterback next year. And I'll tell you what. I want to see him in there in a, in a regular season NFL game. And the sooner that happens, the sooner the Jets can evaluate the quarterback position for 2017. It's very important. Because one thing I think here on Octo- as we sit at October 23rd on this day at 10.13 p.m., Geno Smith and Ryan Fitzpatrick will not be the Jets starting quarterback next year. If that is the case, which we both believe it is, who is? Might be Bryce Petty. we got to find out. And if it's not Bryce Petty, it, it may be Christian Hackenberg. But the point is, they drafted a quarterback in the second round last year, or this year in Hackenberg. They drafted Bryce Petty last year in the fourth round. We've seen neither of them play. And if we know Geno Smith and Ryan Fitzpatrick, who are both free agents, as you said, are not going to be back next year, then if you're the Jets and you're out of it, you have to make a decision to see if you have anything in Petty, or you have anything in Hackenberg to get an idea, hey, are we going to trade up for a quarterback in the draft? Are we going to try and trade for a quarterback from another team? Are we going to sign a free agent quarterback? It's a big decision. When you you are in a position like the Jets and some other teams are in the National Football League where you don't have a franchise quarterback, and the Jets kind of are entering a situation where the Jets fans, they, they've been here before. It's like quarterback no man's land. We're always looking for a bridge always, guy to the franchise quarterback that's, that's not that's there. That's all we're looking It's, it's kind of like quarterback no man's land, whether it was uh, at the end of Sanchez's tenure when Brett Favre came here for one year or you weren't sure if they were going to keep Pennington or and sign Favre. It, it's just kind of that no man's land of you don't know what the Jets are going to do a quarterback. Well, if that's the case here, and you said it, you drafted Petty in the fourth round last year, you drafted Hackenberg in the second round this year, and a lot of people said he would have been available in the fifth, fourth or fifth round. Well, you look at Dak Prescott, who's a fourth round pick. He's playing. Obviously, we know what Carson Wentz is doing with the Eagles. There's been plenty of quarterbacks, even Cody Kessler of the Browns. I know he's on the Browns, but Kessler hasn't been Absolutely. terrible when he's been in there. It's a fair point. And you have a second round quarterback sitting on your bench. And if you're the Jets... He hasn't even been dressed for a game. No, you haven't seen him. And the only time we saw him, he was in the preseason. And he's 21 years old. He got drafted early out of Penn State. He left. So this is a guy that doesn't have any experience. 
in college. We didn't really know what he was in college because of all the turnover at Penn State. His offensive line was terrible. And he everyone went a few said head coaches. Him and uh, it's a problem. Franklin didn't get so along. if you're the Jets, what do you do at quarterback? I'm sorry, Jeff fans. That right now, sitting here in mid-October, we don't know the answer because I don't know how bad this team's going to be record-wise, and I don't know if we're going to see Petty this year or. Magically, in typical Jets fashion, they go out and win a bunch of games in a row. They become relevant, only to then not make the playoffs again, which at one and five you knew was probably not going to happen. And then you're kind of stuck in well, no I, man's land, as you're I, saying. I'll tell you what: you can make the argument that if the Jets go on a run here and say finish eight and eight, miraculously finish eight and eight, or something like that, and they ride it out with Fitz, with their schedule, it's not impossible. No, no, no. and I'm just saying, think it of really it, isn't. That's no, how easy the schedule not, is. It's not at all. But if you think of it like this, say Fitz comes back in as a starting quarterback, the Jets win some games, and and, and maybe week fourteen, I know where you're going with maybe this. week fourteen or fifteen, they're in a playoff position and they miss out. Well, that's fine. At least you made it competitive at the end of the year, but you're still left with a huge question at quarterback because you're not signing Geno Smith to a long term exactly. extension. Exactly. So, so in theoretically. It might benefit the Jets moving forward if they struggle and you get to see Bryce Petty play just because they have so many question marks at this position. And right now you have two guys on the roster that you said it most likely will not be back next year. And just on a side note, how great was it that they were able to sign Ryan Fitzpatrick to a one-year deal? Looking back on it, Mike McCagan did a great job only giving him one year. Because they could have been really screwed if they signed him to a four-year deal. And the the other problem is with this Jets team right now. If they're in a situation, as you're saying, they go out and win a bunch of games in a row, and they end up you know, not really knowing what they're going to do with the quarterback spot, well, then you're not bringing Fitz back. If Geno's going to be the guy that's going to get the opportunity the next week, or Fitzpatrick, you're not going to end up bringing they're, them back. They're really in a mess at the court. It's really a but mess. But the problem is, you can't tell this team to lose, because at the same no, time, of course Todd Bowles is coaching for his job. Of course. He's got a coach like every game is important. And if you're Todd Bowles, you're not going to tank for the betterment of the organization. No, not, not, not at all. And you it's you a need very, to find a way to win games. It's a very difficult position for the Jets to be in. Because they want to win, they want to try to put together. And you mentioned they have a lot of, they've placed a lot of tough teams early on this season, and they have a lot of winnable games coming up on the schedule. What do you do with the quarterback position? How do you properly win games this year going forward for Todd Bowles? Because it is important that the Jets win for him. Because he doesn't want to have a, a four and four and twelve season here. His job's on the line. Every game's important. Every game is important. So how do you win and also evaluate the quarterback position for twenty seventeen? That's why Geno should get a chance because then you're closer to seeing the third string guy if he fails. But Todd Bowles is going to lean on who he thinks gives him the best chance, and it seems like he has a lot more comfortability with Ryan Fitzpatrick because we've seen it this year. If he had any faith in Geno Smith, Geno would have been in a lot earlier than just today after a one and five start. So he would have. It's it, it's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting discussion, and I'm sure it's one that's going to be addressed throughout the week, depending on the health of Geno Smith, because that's a huge question. If he's ready to go, Todd Bowles really has a decision on his hands. Do you go to Geno or do you switch back to Fitz? Six zero seven two seven four one eight four two is the number to get involved. It's the Asthma Beauty Show on VICRadio.org, TuneIn Radio, and of course podcasted on ICTV.org and iTunes. Let's open up the phone lines now. We're going to take some Jet phone calls. We'll get into the Giants and the Rams a little bit later on. First call tonight, Howie and Ithaca. Howie, what's going on? Hey guys, how are you guys doing tonight? Good, Howie. What's on your mind? You guys said something at the very end of of your comments about the quarterback situation. Todd Bowles is fighting for his job, but there's no way he's going to put a rookie quarterback in there. He's got to stick with Fitz, with Fitz. And I got to tell you, drafting Hacklenburg was a huge mistake. The guy is so inaccurate. He's not going to make it in the NFL. Well, you know what? You bring up an interesting point about 
Hackenberg, and a lot of people said he was a project, and I get he's a project, but the Jets took him in the second round. And when you take a quarterback in the second round, there's certain uh, expectations that it's a guy that maybe not in uh, the next year can play, but in, in a few years could get the spot at quarterback. And a lot of people say that Hackenberg's three, four, maybe even four and a half, five years away from being able to start at this level. So if that's the case, why did the Jets invest a second round? Well, you know what the him? problem is, too? The Jets didn't think they were going to be this bad this year. That's true. Because they thought they could have Fitzpatrick play another year, maybe duplicate close to what he did a year ago, compete for a playoff spot, and then if it doesn't work out, we have Petty and Hackenberg, whichever one earns the opportunity in two years, can maybe be the guy once Fitz is out of here. Problem is, Fitz is going to be out of here a year early now. Gino's going to be out of here, and it's what we just talked about. You don't really know. And Howie, your point on Fitz has to start, I agree with you if I'm looking at it from Todd Bowles' perspective. He's a he's a, a young coach coaching for what maybe could be his job if this season spiraled out of control. Now with the schedule being what it is and the Jets rattle off some wins, they're in a situation where maybe they remain competitive. And, of course, Todd Bowles will keep his job as long as they're not, what, 3-13, and 4-12, and 12. But the problem is, is that really beneficial to the organization? I'm not so sure. That's really the issue with this team right now. And you know what, Howie? One more point. If the Jets lose uh, a couple of games here and they fall to, you know, 3-8, and eight, you know, 4-10 and 10 or so- something like that where the season's out of control, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. You put Petty in there. And you see what you got going into next season. It's really important that the Jets really sit down uh, going forward and evaluate how they're going to approach this. Because Fitz probably is not going to be back here. We just said it. And Geno, there's no way Geno Smith is on the Jets roster next year. He's a free agent at the end of the season with everything that's gone and on Gino with Geno. would have to play like Joe Namath it's 2.0. Just, it's not going to happen. The Jets have to see if Bryce Petty can compete next year for the starting quarterback job. They, they need to because they have two young quarterbacks on this roster. I think he'll get a chance to play because I think you the GM will step will. in, the owner will step in. It can't get to a point where the Jets don't see Bryce Petty at all this year. If they're clearly out of it, you're not throwing Geno Smith out there as a free agent. you gotta, you got to give Petty a chance. You have to because what do you really accomplish out of this year if you go 5-11, and 6-10, and 10, and you don't know if Bryce Petty can play or not? You get nothing out of this year, Bingo. at least at the, the minimum. You know if you can maybe say, hey, we think we have something at Bryce Petty. Let's give him a shot. Or your entire offense season is predicated on what? Finding another bridge guy and you're sitting Hackenberg on the bench. What does that do for you? And where are you going at the quarterback? Is it Brian Hoyer? You know what I mean? It, it, it's, again, the same kind of quarterback misery the Jets have been have been faced with for 40-plus years. This this spin of mediocre quarterbacks, bad quarterback play, inconsistent play, lots of turnovers. This has been the the story of the history of the New York Jets. And the problem is, is they just can't get out of their own way at the quarterback position. But... They have two young quarterbacks on the roster, and it really would be a shame if you didn't see Bryce Petty get any action this year if, indeed, we go deeper into the season and the Jets are obviously out of it. it I think it's a must. I agree with you, Jake. they got to get Petty in there if this season is going in the direction, you know, at this point at 2-5, and five, we think it is. I'm with you. 607-274-1842. It's the Asimov Vudic Show on VICradio.org. Tune in radio and podcasted. Over on ICTV.org and iTunes. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gusbuster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit Gusbuster.com and get your Gusbuster today. 
You are listening to the Asmin and Budic Show on VIC Radio. Tune in radio and podcast it on ICTV.org and iTunes. But we'll get into the Giants now, Dan. 17-10 winners over the Rams. Uh, I have a couple thoughts on this one. One, the Giants needed this win. They got it. They've won two straight. Got to feel pretty good being 4-3 and three into the bye after you were 2-0 and oh, and then you lose three in a row. You know, you find a way to now win two games in a row. You'll certainly take it. Eli wasn't great today. He was okay, good enough to win. But the biggest takeaway for me is Case Keenum is a really bad NFL quarterback. I think we'd all agree with that. But how bad is Jared Goff that Case Keenum continues to start and the number one overall pick continues to just sit there on the bench? Well, and I agree. I agree with you. And I think at this point, you have to ask yourself if you're Jeff Fisher and this coaching staff out in uh, Los Angeles, I was about to say St. Louis, but out in Los Angeles, you got to think when is the time to go to Jared Goff? Obviously, they feel. It's not the right time yet, but as far as the Giants are concerned, you know, defensively they played a great game. They had some turnovers. They had that big stop at the end of the game, and it was a situation. I was talking about it before the show. A situation maybe last year or, or even coming into that last drive, you thought, oh boy, here we go again. The Giants' defense is going to cough it up. They had a big defensive stop. I understand it was Chase Keenum, and their offense is not very good out in Los Angeles. I mean, the interception at the end was was ridiculous. No, you're right. In the end zone, the guy's not even looking for the ball. No, you're absolutely right. But the fact that the Giants got that stop, they got the win, that's big confidence for their defense going forward. They needed this win, and they, they got it. They went on the road in London. And they got the win, and that's the most important thing. They needed this win. This was a game they had to have moving forward. If they want to be a playoff team, they got it done. Now the Giants all of a sudden have won two straight. And Rashad Jennings, he found the end zone for the first time today. 13 carries for 25 yards with the Giants will take it because he did score. I'll give credit to, uh, to the Giants for this. They were down 10 nothing in this game early, and they came back. They found a way to get it done. Matt, ben McAdoo's play calling, though, from what I saw, some iffy, things, some iffy things going on there. But this is a team that needed to find a way to get a win. And they did. So they're 4-3. and three. They beat a team they should beat. And what's the Rams record now? Are they a game under 500? Or five? uh, the Rams are 3-4. and four. So the Rams are now 3-4. and four. Weren't they 3-1? They, they were. lost three straight? They were, exactly. That was the point I was making. So they're 3-1. and one. Jeff Fisher, oh, look at us. Look what we're doing. And now they've now lost three straight, and they're 3-4. and four. And this is a team that we know is going to go either 7-9 or 8-8 eight and eight because they're coached by the great Jeff Fisher. And what does Jeff Fisher do? He takes teams to 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9 and nine, year after year. To a point where they named August 8th Jeff Fisher Day this year. I don't know if you're aware of that, Dan. 8-8 this year was Jeff Fisher Day. That's August fun. 8th. And I'm just looking at Case Keenum's numbers. Eight touchdowns, ten interceptions. And I think after the game, uh, Jeff Fisher said they're going to stick with Case Keenum. How do you not go back to Jared? How do you not go back? How do you not go to Jared Goff? Well, I think it's got to be tempting. And the fans out in Los Angeles have to be really upset. I mean, here you draft this guy, the number one overall pick, California kid. Uh, when are you going to see him? You, you see what Dak Prescott's doing in, in uh, Dallas as a fourth-round pick. You see, even though they, he struggled the last couple of weeks, they won today, the Eagles. You see what Carson Wentz is doing as, you know, he was the number two overall pick. And those two guys are going to be compared to forever. You know, those one, two guys are going to be compared forever, just like Luck and uh, RG3 are. You know, those guys are going to be compared, just like, obviously, uh, Peyton Manning was with Ryan Leaf, and we know, but but they're still going to be compared. They're, they're the one-two punch of quarterbacks. Uh, so these two guys are going to be are going to be set and tied together by the hip as long as their careers go. So when are we going to see Jared Goff? When are we going to see him? And what does it take? How how much more poor play from the quarterback position or 
average, below average play do you take in Los Angeles if you're Jeff Fisher? I think maybe for Jeff Fisher, he just hasn't seen maybe Jared Goff's been that bad at practice. I don't know. I guess, but at a certain point, you got to play your franchise quarterback. You traded all these picks to go up. And plus, if you play him, you gave yourself more time. You buy yourself more time if you're Jeff Fisher. You don't have to play him right away. You don't have to be in a situation where you're looking at this team and you're deciding what you are. Are we a playoff team or are we not? Most people didn't think the Rams were a playoff team. So if you play golf, at least you get to play your future. And you get to, as a coach, you buy yourself some time because you're not expected to win when you play a rookie quarterback. I don't care where he was drafted. The Eagles weren't expected to be where they were this year. But after their 3-0 start and they lost two in a row, they beat the Vikings today. So I don't really know what the Eagles are either. But at least Carson Wentz is playing, playing well enough to get these wins. And he's getting that type of experience. But once again, Giants, 17 to 10 winners. They did what they had to do. We want to hear from you, though. 607 274 1842 to get involved. We open with the Jets. We're talking Giants. And let's go out to Joe in Syosity. He wants to talk about the G Man. Joe, what's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing? What's up, Joe? Joe? What's up? Uh, well, you were talking about the Giants and how they really haven't been playing great football, but they've been doing what they got to do to win. And today was really um, exactly that. Their defense played great. We saw a lackluster play from Eli Manning and the receivers. Not much going on on the offensive side of the ball, but the D stepped up big time. So I, I wondered uh, what you guys thought about Landon Collins and his role on a mainly veteran defense as a young stud. Well, he's a big piece of this defense because of the, some of the issues they have in the second level of their defense. But you mentioned it, Joe. What a win and, and what a what an opportunity and a, and a boost. Uh, from confidence-wise by this defense for the Giants, the fact that they didn't need the offense to win the game today. The defense only gave up, you know, those 10 points, and they trailed 10 nothing. So the defense really came together uh, in this game and, and was able to uh, come up with the win because you said it, the Giants' offense just wasn't rolling today. You know, some questionable play calls by McAdoo, inconsistent play by Manning, a lot of different factors. They couldn't run the football. They haven't been able to run the football all year. They couldn't do it today. The defense came up big, and I think if you're on the Giants' defense, or if you're, you're a member of this Giants secondary, whatever the case may be, you have to have some confidence now that you can win games for this offense, and you don't have to rely on this offense to score 25 or 30 points a night. No, it's a good point by Joe, our caller, and thank you for the call. When you look at this Giants defense, they need to get confidence that they can make these stops. They had it early on in the year when they started 2-0, and but then they didn't play that well during that three-game losing streak, especially during that Redskins game when they blew it late. So you look at this Giants defense, and they are kind of what they are. They're, I think they're kind of middle of the pack, clearly improved from where they were a year ago. I mean, last year they were awful. They were one of the worst defenses ever. Un- unwatchable. But you, but you look at what this Giants defense has to be. They got to be good enough to keep keep them in game. So the offense, when they're at their best, is pretty good. The Giants have a good offense when things are clicking. They have a ton of injuries though, and obviously Odell Beckham's got to get healthy. He's got to be the player that he was just last week against the Ravens when he had that monster performance and all that. But that was a big play by Collins today, especially because the offense wasn't scoring. I mean, Eli didn't throw a touchdown pass today. They had one rushing touchdown, and they had a defensive touchdown. That's how the Giants got their points today. So this was a big game in a sense that the defense stepped up. Rams aren't very good, but Landon Collins been a nice play, and we've seen his development from year one to year two. He looks like a lot different of a player. It looks like he's going to be a pretty good pro for this Giants defense. And he's becoming a, a bit of a, you don't want to say ball hawk, but a, a very opportunistic out there in the Giants secondary. He's making big plays. He's coming up big. you know. The, and, and that's the key. It is And what separates a good defense 
an average defense from a good defense and a good defense from a great defense is if you can make turnovers into points. You have to be opportunistic. You have to be opportunistic. That's in the, the best NFL. way to do it. That's the best way to do it. Because if you're not going to be great statistically with points allowed in yardage, force turnovers. Exactly. And then you give yourself and, a chance. And, and I'll tell you what, even though the Vikings lost today, that's one thing I love about their defenses. They make plays, they force turnovers, and they and it becomes points. And and that just helps your team so much. And and look at help the Giants today. Uh, it's a touchdown. They don't win the game. So. You know, when your offense is not playing well or your offense is not rolling like we've seen the offense of the New York Giants roll, the defense needs to make big plays. The defense needs to make points, make points happen quickly. And they did that today, and then they were able to win the game. And I think going forward, like we said, it's just a boost of confidence for this Giants defense. And if you're on the Giants offense, if you're Eli Manning, if you're uh, Victor Cruz, if you're Odell Beckham Jr., say, oh, wait, wait. We have a defense that can win us a football game. They won us this game today. It has confidence throughout the entire locker room. Now, obviously, this game took place in London, so we had to find a way to cover this game. I know we were not going to be there, but we were smart here. we couldn't make the trip. We couldn't make the trip. Uh, we have a, another trip we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the show, a big announcement coming. Not quite as far, though. A, 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 little, a little southern, if yeah. you will. So we'll talk about that in the 11 o'clock hour. That's what we call a tease in the radio business. But we did send someone to London to cover this wonderful American football sporting event. So we're going to go to our London correspondent for the Asman Arbutic Show, Will Spencer, for his report. Take it away, Will. This is Will from England. Hello to everyone at the show. I had my first NFL game today in London and couldn't be better seeing the New York Giants, the first team I ever watched. It was a different Eli Manning today. Very poor show. Didn't really have a good arm at all. And Odell, where the hell was he? don't know highlight of the game obviously the interception return for a touchdown um i did have a word with landon collins before the game and told him you better intercept something can score a touchdown and took my advice didn't he and he scored it uh atmosphere was all right a bit dead what can you expect from the english really what a great day hope all's well with you asman and good luck with the show uh, well, thank you, Will. That was Will, our London correspondent, Will report. Spencer. Great report. And a couple takeaways from this report. we got to send him out to, to a different kind of locations. Uh, get, he, a weekly, get a weekly report from now, Will. Now, Will is English, as you can clearly tell based on that recording. He has never been to an NFL game, and he sent that in to us uh, earlier today. It's about 3 a.m., almost 4 a.m. in London right now. And he's never been to an NFL football game. He follows football. And if you heard in that recording, the first time he ever watched NFL football was the 2007 season, the 2008 Super Bowl between the New England Patriots and the New York Giants. Couldn't ask for a better game than watches your first So he saw game. Eli Manning, and he, he said it, a little bit different of an Eli Manning. What Wasn't that good, he said today. And he said OBJ, you know, where was he? OBJ only, you know, had a couple catches today. It wasn't terrible, but he wasn't the 222 yards he had. And you know last what's week. so funny is when you, you know you see OBJ on TV and you see the game he had last week. You know, I'm sure for Will, he sees him play in person today in London. Thought I'm going to be seeing o- Odell Beckham Jr. So a little disappointed to have one of those monster games. But Giant fans, if you're listening, the reason why Landon Collins had the interception and took it the other way for the pick six. Will Spencer, our Azrin Budick Show London correspondent, he spoke to Landon Collins before the game and told him, quote, get an interception. And that's exactly what happened. And I thought it was great at the end of the show, at the end of the report, if you will, he mentioned eh, English football fans, the enthusiasm wasn't really where he thought it was going to be, but he himself had a great day watching some NFL football in London. You are listening to Jake Asman and Dan Budick right here on the Asman and Budick Show. 
Follow the show on Twitter with the handle at AsmanBudicShow. Now time for a big announcement regarding our show. We started the show when we were freshmen here at Ithaca College, spring semester. So 2014 was the year it all began, the spring of 2014. And we built up the show. It became a radio show here on VIC. It was always a podcast through ICTV. And way back when, it's Spreecast. Shout out to Spreecast. Way, way back. back. And, of course, w- way back in the day. WKWZ, before we brought Jake Chernock on as a part of the show over in Syosset High School is really where it all began. But we've always said, and we've joked around, we're going to take the show to the Super Bowl. We want to go to to Radio Row, where all the, the big shots, the Mike Francesas, the Colin Cowherds, the Michael Kays, the Dan Patricks, they do their radio show the week of the Super Bowl from the giant media convention hall. And we're... We always said, hey, we're going to try and do it one day. So this year we and, have— And I think it goes further before you say it. We have been saying this uh, since we're 13 years old. We, we've always wanted and, to and do it. And that's really been— it's a dream. And, and, it's that's, a dream for everybody. That's really been what, what's been the major thing is that this has been something and, and just going and, and just discussing it and the opportunity, if it's possible, is would it be possible? Well, it, it's something that has come through fruition. We are—we will be at Radio Row— uh, Tuesday through Friday, prior to the Super Bowl, week leading into the Super Bowl, doing the Asmund Buick Show. We'll be in Houston at the convention center at Radio Row. It's true. You just said it, and that's where we were going with this. We're going to be taking the show to the Super Bowl, which is, as you just said, Dan, in Houston this year. What we're going to do is podcast all our interviews, have uh, you know so much different type of content through Facebook Live. Obviously, our SoundCloud page will post all our interviews, then put together a best-of podcast at the end of each day we're there. Logistically, we're planning about three days of shows down there. Uh, some of them will be live, hopefully, on both WICB, our sister station, which is on the FM dial here in Ithaca, and, of course, VIC Radio as well, the station you're listening to right now. So we're so excited to take the show to the Super Bowl. We're going to have three days of shows down there. Jake Charnock is coming with us, and shout-out to Jake Charnock's family, who's actually from Houston. We're going to be living uh, or staying with them for the Can't days we're down there. The, the family of Charnock. And a special thank time. you to exciting. the Park School Communications Associate Dean, Dean Roberts, and, of course, Dean Gajewski for providing us with the opportunity to take our college radio show and college podcast to the center of sports media and go to Radio Row for four days of shows down there at really it's a dream come true for us but it's a big day for Park the Park School to be able to send three students to cover the Super Bowl and do some live shows yeah uh, sorry Dan no no Jake go well I was just about to say uh, you know when Jake you first messaged me in the spring of 2014 you wrote in like the class of 2017 group on Ithaca College (laughs) we we were looking for help we were looking for help with the show we have a staff now look at the staff we have here tonight staff we got and, (laughs) and so they were looking for a producer and I was like sure why not how bad could it be, of course? I mean, I didn't really know you guys really at that point, but then shows turn into Chipotle visits, and then... A lot of Chipotle visits. And really, the show, you know, Jake, when you joined us in that spring of 2014, I mean, it developed the friendship. It really I mean, did. I mean, it really brought us together. We all live together now. We're, we're the best of friends. So it really... Uh, it really developed from there, and you know, obviously, the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl and to be, you know, at you know, Jake said at the center of sports media and the center of football and the NFL. I mean, the Super Bowl is not only a, a great sporting event, but it's it's a news event. It is an event, and that's what the NFL's created it to be with the week leading up and Radio Row and Media Day. And to say we're going to be a, a small part of it, but yet a part of it. 
is certainly uh, a dream come true. Now, we have a lot to do before we go, obviously. We're in a situation where we're still planning it together. We don't know the, the times we're going to be doing we the live shows. We don't shows. know that yet. We do know we will be there. So we, we will do, be there. That's what matters. That's what we know. We're going, that's what matters. We're going for uh, three days. We're going to work Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We're going on Tuesday. We're going to check everything out. We're planning some big things as far as all the Hall of Famers that are down there. We expect Drew Brees to be promoting something. We expect Larry Fitzgerald. All the regulars that you see appearing on the talk shows during the week at Radio Row year after year, including the Hall of Famers like Joe Namath will be there. Joe oh, Montana will God. be there. We got it Broadway. Oh, got Broadway it. Joe. All the guys that you know, Joe. they're going to promote their products. They're going to do what it. they do. Dick Vermeil, Vermeil Wines. Vermeil Wines. We're going to have them all on. We're excited about that. And, of course, we're going to be in a situation where we plan on so – we don't know the times, as we just said. We plan on doing some live shows down there as well where you'll Again. be able to hear us and call in and, and do what we normally do, but live from Radio Row at the site of the Super Bowl. So it's exciting for us, and we said it before, but we owe it to the Park School for the opportunity they're giving us to represent the Ithaca College as a whole and go on down there. But the show started as a, just a, a podcast on ICTV.org, and we turned it into the opportunity to go cover the Super Bowl and represent VIC, WICB, and ICTV as well. So we're very excited, and we couldn't have done it without all the listeners and all the support we've gotten from the people here in the Park School and, of course, the people that have called into the show and have downloaded the podcast since day one. The Asman and Budic Show is presented by Wings Over Ithaca and Gus Buster Umbrellas. We were going to get to this earlier, but we got a little distracted. We a got lot. eight minutes left in the show. A lot went on, but just enough time for a World Series preview. We already gave our picks. I'm going to just take the Indians to be different. Everyone's riding the Cubs. So I'll say Indians in seven, Dan. You said Cubs in six. But a couple notes on this series, and we just said it before. This is going to be a great series. A, great series. B, if you're Fox and you're an executive, the ratings that you're going to get because the Chicago Cubs are in this World Series are going to be as great, if not greater, than what the ratings were in 2004 when the Red Sox were in the World Series against the Cardinals. And when you look at what's going on in this series, you have two teams both very likable. A lot of guys that we were just talking about, your Andrew Millers, your Terry Francona's on the Cleveland side, and of course on the Chicago side, how do you not like a guy like Anthony Rizzo and, and Chris so Bryan? Many, and so, so many great players, so, so many, many great managers. It's awesome. And so many storylines between these two teams. Forget about the fact that the Indians haven't won a World Series since 1948. They haven't been to one since 97. The Cubs haven't been to one since 45. They haven't won since 1908. So you have two of the longest droughts in baseball competing in in the same World Series, but then you have that Red Sox dynamic. Terry Francona used to manage the Red Sox, now going up against John Lester of the Cubs, and uh, Theo Epstein was the general manager of the Red Sox when Terry Francona was the manager, and they're going against each other in the World Series. I mean, just some great storylines going into this series, and not to mention Ben Zobrist, a World Series player. Got traded to the, the, the Royals last year, was unbelievable throughout the playoffs in the end of the season. They win the, they win the World Series it's not a coincidence he's going back to the World Series. He is a clutch, clutch baseball player. And the Yankees are going to try and trade for Ben Zobra so they too can go to the yes. World Series as early you as next year. That. You know what? In the in the um, a, a, you know towards before 2010, you know let those couple of World Series, you needed Eric Hinsky to get on the World Series. He played <laughs> in true. three straight World Series. Now the guy's Ben Zobras. You need Ben Zobras to win the World Series. So many different things to we could, get there. So many things we could talk about with this World Series. We just mentioned the likableness of the World Series. The fact that the Indians they haven't won since 1948. The Cubs, you know, yeah, they have not won since 1908. But how about the fact that the GM of the Cubs, the president right. of baseball operations, Theo Epstein, if he wins the World Series this year with Chicago, after what he did in Boston, breaking the curse there, 
I mean, this will this guy will go down I mean, as the greatest general manager maybe ever when you think about will. what he's had to do with both of those quote-unquote cursed franchises. If he wins here with the Cubs, Theo Epstein, he already probably never has to buy another drink in Boston. And Red Sox fans, they really miss him. We live with a couple of them. They tell us. If he wins with the Cubs, what it will do for his legacy, which is already Hall of Fame level, I mean, you're talking about the greatest executive maybe ever in the history of the sport. That's how much it would mean if Theo Epstein is able to win a World Series for the city of Chicago. I absolutely agree. And and two of the most iconic curses in the history of baseball, in the history of sports, the curse of the Bambino broke it in 04. And now the, the curse of the Billy Goat, even last year we saw... The Cubs got to the National League Championship Series and got swept by the Mets. And Daniel Murphy, Murphy's GOAT, tortured them in the National League Championship Series. I mean, there's so many ironic things that have happened with the Chicago Cubs over the last 100-plus years to, 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 to stir up the fact that this curse, I mean, it's one of the most iconic curses ever. And the Red Sox won, the curse of the Bambino was too. But just as far as a general manager standpoint, let's look at the Cubs from 2012 onwards. 2012, four years ago, 61 and 101. 2013, 66 and 96. 2014, 73 and 89. They bring in uh, Joe Madden as the manager. They bring in Theo Epstein. 97 and 65 last year, lost in the National League Championship Series. One year later, 103 and 58, National League champions, and possibly very well, might likely, who knows, win the World Series. Best team in baseball season. Theo Epstein is a heck of a general manager, and he has won. He built a winning team in Boston, and he's on the, the, the cusp of bringing a World Series to Chicago for the Cubs fans who haven't won. In 108 years. It's, it's amazing. remarkable. But here's the thing with this Cubs team. They did it the right way. They built, as you just gave the records, they were a bad team for several years when Theo got there. And he built this team up from the ground. He made smart trades. He supplemented his young team with great veterans, great free agent signings, the lackey signing, the Jake Arrieta trade. Obviously, what he did this past offseason, you already talked about it. The Zobris deal. This is a guy that knows how to build a winning baseball team. And he's not only a great executive, but he's a, he's a terrific evalu- evaluator of talent. And the young guys that are on this team, it really shows. What him and Jed Hoyer did when they teamed up and they brought back Rizzo after they dealt him elsewhere and brought him back, it really is just unbelievable what they did, how they got Chris Bryant, the the ability they, they had to see some of these guys and, and watch them develop as quickly as they did. The Cubs, they truly are remarkable what they've been able to do. And let's let's break it down like this. Things that didn't exist the last time the Cubs were in the World oh, Series. I've been hearing this all day. We've been hearing it. Alaska, right. Hawaii. They were not states. The L.A. Dodgers were still in Brooklyn. The San Francisco, the, the Giants, too. The NBA wasn't a thing. Neither was Diet Soda. I know you're a big Diet Coke guy. Love Diet Coke. International air travel, not a thing. Velcro and the DH. All things that did not exist the last time the Chicago Cubs were in the World Series. And you can make a very similar list for things that did not exist the last time the Indians won a World Series in 1948. I mean, we're talking about three years post-World War II, how long it's been since the Indians won a World Series. It's more amazing. I mean, the the Indians haven't won since 48, but they went to the World Series in 97, lost in seven games, very dramatic fashion, to the Florida Marlins, their first World Series title. They won another one in 03. But... The fact that the Cubs haven't been to a World Series since 1945, I mean, that is forever ago to even make an appearance. They lost that World Series. They, 
1945 to appear in a World Series? That's pretty unbelievable. really is. And at the end of the day, if you're the Cubs, you're this close to getting it done. But the Indians, they come in red hot. I wonder if the long layoff possibly slows them down. But one thing's for sure, my final thought on this, I could not be more happy for Andrew Miller to see what he was able to do this postseason. He was named, of course, as you know, the ALCS MVP. He was a great Yankee, a well-respected Yankee. The fans loved him. He was all about the team, never about himself. And I'm glad that he's being uh, you know, respected as he is by the rest of the baseball community, getting a chance to really have the spotlight on him. And people watching Andrew Miller get an idea what Yankee fans got to watch for the two years he was with them, just how good this guy is. And I hope if he's the Cubs don't win, for the, Indians. the Indians get a chance to win and Andrew Miller gets a ring, I'd be totally fine with either outcome. Well, the World Series, either way, it's gonna. this is a historic World Series that's going to begin uh, now officially tomorrow night with Game 1 out in... Uh, Cleveland. Cleveland has home field advantage for the World Series. So game one will be in Cleveland tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. We're excited about it, but that's going to do it for our show. Thank you to the, all the callers tonight. I think we had a record for callers oh, in the show. Callers. A lot of viewers. It's, we had a listeners. We, we had a great show. It was a very good show. Thanks to all uh, the callers, as I just said. Thank you to everyone watching on our Facebook Live. Ben Jacob did a terrific job manning that all night, so we thank him for that. Brett Mayerson screening your phone calls. Of course, we have Connor Weingarten. He did the Around the NFL. And Jason Hadigan had your social media updates. And thank you to Jake Chernock for board up in this show, but we're out of time. The show will be podcasted later this week on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Follow the show on Twitter at Asman Budick Show. You can get Dan on Twitter at Dan Budick, my handle at Jake Asman. Plenty more to come. We'll have more info on the Super Bowl shows. When we get that, we'll let you know. But stay tuned for more great music here on BIC Radio. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Asman and Budick Show. To keep up with the guys, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter with the handle at Asman Budick Show.